Welcome to the next episode of the Creating Belonging podcast. Today, my guest is Lauren Gleason, and I want Lauren just to introduce herself. So Lauren, tell us about you. Yes. Hi, Justin. Um, and hi, everyone. Um, so I'm Lauren. And what should I tell everyone about myself? Um, I'm Lauren. I am a British person living in New York. Um, and I'm Jewish and I'm gay and I'm fun and I'm blonde, by the way. Important identity that gets overlooked, I think. Um... <laughs> Wait, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Pause. Are you a real blonde? That that does, you know, these questions I'll answer at a later date. That doesn't matter. <laughs> That's that doesn't matter for the content of this podcast. I am okay. I'm blonde, identifying. It is a part of your identity, absolutely. <laughs> so Lauren and I worked together several years ago. And um, and maybe just to get us started as a fun way to warm up uh in the book, and I think even in the first episode of our podcast, I tell this my my favorite story about belonging was when I brought my team together um in Chicago for a dinner and then we went to a concert and Lauren was at said dinner. And so I'm the only one who's been telling the story from from you know kind of all the way along. Um and because it's been a big part of this work, Lauren, how, what was your experience with that dinner? Yeah, I've got behind the scenes information for everyone, <laughs> you know, about this dinner. So people are about to get the real, no. Um, I remember it sort of exactly how how you told it. I mean, obviously I, I was a participant and I know that, that you and I spoke about the dinner like recently, actually. And I said to you, um, I'm the person that keeps kosher in, in the story. And, you know, every, I've been kosher 17 years and all 17 years I've gone to so many dinners and and those, you know, dinners and, and events and things. And, and always, I, I'm, it's so ingrained in me now, like I'll have the other option. I'll have the modified option, you know, and, and that's fine. Not everyone, you know, needs to accommodate every single dietary um, request, but for you, you know, and even, I think I knew you for at least two years before that dinner. And every time you would, you know, I don't know if it's just your natural curiosity, but you'd always ask questions about it. You'd always want to know, like, so what does this mean? Why can you not mix milk and meat? Why, you know, why do you have to like do this or do that? So I think you, you know, I feel like you're just a generally curious person, but the dinner definitely evolved into us all feeling, you know, um, like we belong basically exactly sort of like you labeled it and also it's it's like a different feeling right you're going to your boss's house like you were the director of the group so you know we we were invited into your space into your house and you know we were all like side messaging about it like what's it going to be like and <laughs> <laughs> and it was really like it was really awesome I think even to this day and sorry for anyone listening that I've been on a team with since then like that was one of the best teams, one of the best environments, one of the most authentic I have ever been. Um, and I still speak to everyone on that team. Um, and events like you inviting us into your house, like it's just another level of feeling, you know, that team dynamic. So I don't even know if that answered the question. The food was delicious. You did not give us food poisoning. Um, and yeah. Thank you. So you know what's funny, and I think when we talked about it the last time, 
I, I sometimes I kind of forget what we served and it was, I know that we had salmon, right. With like a, with pasta and like a tomato sauce. That was yep. the main. And a salad. I remember. Yeah. Probably a salad with homemade dressing. So I love, I love a homemade dressing. Ooh, yep. yep. Um, and then I think we did have cheese, like a cheese entree to start, but it was like, I knew that your rule was like 30 minutes between everything, right? Mm. So Yeah. I mean, typically it's 30 minutes between like dairy and meat. So mm -hmm. fish, like fish was okay. Um, yes. And I definitely remember that. Like we all, you, you know, we all sat down and I don't think there was like meat by the, like, you know, a typical chocolate no. board. No, there was not. Has pork and and salami and things like that and and you know there was there was like none of that there so i didn't even have to you know bypass the the meat on the on mm -hmm. the cheese plate but i remember yeah we all we sat on your sofas and you had like a great i i don't think you still live there but we, you had like an amazing view of like the water you were, we were like up high and we were like sat and hung out and drunk wine and i'm a massive lightweight so i was probably wasted by <laughs> the end of the cheese course <laughs> Like one glass of wine and I'm, you know, I'm on the floor. So that hasn't changed, by the way, Justin. I'm still a lightweight. That's all right. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Good. I love, I love bringing someone into the space of creating belonging of uh, who was a part of that story. Um. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing. Um. Yeah. And the, the curiosity thing, I honestly, I think, I have learned the most about the Jewish religion from you than anyone else. So I want to thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. You should label me Rabbi Lauren, you know, for, on this, because that's, I, I really like, I think your, yeah, your curiosity and, and it's really fun to teach people about it. You know, it's, it's definitely a big part of my identity and, and maybe we'll get into that more, you know, as, as our time goes on together, but um, it's, it's a massive part of my identity and and it's it's so fulfilling to talk to people that are just genuine genuinely curious about it so thank yeah. you for giving me, me that opportunity thanks well let's get into it then so um looking at the creating belonging model and kind of the different areas of the creating belonging model as you reflect on different experiences that you've had different communities that you've been in either work or you know with the church or like anything you know, um, actually, do you call it church? Oh my gosh! Yeah, synagogue. Synagogue. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I was just going See? with it. I wasn't. I wasn't going to correct. Right, right. <laughs> I'm uh, nodding sorry. along here, but it's all it's it's perfect. Yeah. It's so, right. um, so any experiences that you've had that um that you can think of that come to light of like when you've sat in one particular quadrant? Yeah. Yeah, such an interesting question and like I as I was preparing for this podcast like really thinking about it and I think I've been I think I've sat in every quadrant you know in all of them and I've sat in some more than the others um, and in different aspects of my life like in a corporate environment I've worked for several I've been in corporate corporate companies for 10 11 years um, and I've also been heavily involved in um, like creating um, Jewish experiences um, and like you know diff different sort of Jewish organizations in my in my personal life and so each of those buckets brings up brings me into like different quadrants 
and I would say largely um, about being like a gay woman. And yeah. I would, you know, I would say, so when, when you and I worked together, I think I was a recluse um, in, in this model. Not not physically, I was out a lot, but um, in in <laughs> in the, in the belonging, you know, in in the model here, I was definitely withdrawn from the gay community, and I think I over I was overbearing potentially in the Jewish community because those were like, and they still are like two of my strongest identities, um, mm-hmm. along with being British and blonde. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't forget that one, and so. And so I was, I was not out. Um, I was in the closet when we first started working together. Although I think I told you, like, I think I told you personally very early on that I was not, not entirely straight. Um, I remember it. You do? I I, absolutely. I remember it. I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was one, it was probably one of my first trips to New York after Mm -hmm. you had started working on the team Yep. And we went out to the Stonewall Inn mm. and you were like, oh, by the way, <laughs> totally remember it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was massive for me. I mean, I think, you know, we sort of played it off and it it was what it was, but I, that was a crazy um, thing for me to do. No one in, you know, no one at home knew my parents didn't know 99% of our colleagues didn't know and mm. and then there I am like telling my boss you know and and I've done a lot of work on opening up and being being able to be more vulnerable um you know those those are things I've struggled with a lot just in, in my personal life um mm. but that was now what like eight years ago like seven eight years ago that was a long time yeah. ago and, um, yeah and yeah I, I definitely remember that so so when, when you and I worked together <clears throat> I was definitely more of a recluse I wasn't in the community at, at least not out you know, I was mm-hmm. secretly in the community and, and obviously having a great time, but it's very, it's a, it's a completely different, um, it's a completely different feeling when you are out in the community and, and out loud and, and proud, which yeah, I'm, I'm so fortunate to be now, but yeah, I, wa- I wasn't then. Um, and so that it, it swings with your identities, right? It's making me question, like, if you're in one one part of this model where are your other identities because they don't all sit in the same quadrant at the same time yeah yeah you know you're making me me think a little bit about this because i like a a lot of of the way that i describe it is like we we if we look at one distinct community so um for us it would have been the company that we worked in at that point in time and Mm -hmm. so in that one community we can can be in one of the quadrants um, and we can shift around in those quadrants. Um, but what's interesting is, yeah, when when I met you in 2015, um, I think you were very, and I wouldn't call you overbearing, but very out with your, um, you were authentically Jewish. Like you, mm-hmm. that was like a large part of your identity and you want people to know that. And I really appreciate and respect that. Um, and then you were also minimizing and hiding another Mm. part of your identity and so it's interesting because it makes me wonder like when we have an identity that we can be out and proud about which was your your religion 
Um, but another identity that we're like hiding and masking, like what's the, like, where does that put us? It's interesting. So, and you, you're just saying that you felt like you were actually in recluse. Yeah, definitely with my gay identity for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think, yeah, I, I think it, it really is interesting because for me being Jewish, being like out and loud about being Jewish is like low stakes. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that like translates or like makes sense, but being gay was like much more emotional, much more like deeply mm -hmm. you know, rooted in some shame and some other things going on inside me. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was definitely easier to be, to be, to be that. And that's like, you know, some of the personal work that I talk about. Um, so there's a lot of psychology, I think that goes into this model as well and how we, and how we, um, talk about our identities and and how we just are be are, are able to be authentic and belong. It's a lot to do with us and the environment. You know, there's lots of factors. Yeah, yeah. It's so so. I guess uh, where I'm still um, like thinking about. Yeah. So like it was really at that point because you were hiding that one part of your identity, like it's really hard for you to be in a place of belonging because mm -hmm. you're, you're masking, hiding part of it. Um, so it's an interesting one because you're kind of like floating in like the kind of, you know, around the minimizing, overbearing recluse, like floating in there, but definitely not in belonging because your different identities are, are in different places. I, I'm also curious, kind of given um, some of the narrative around um, anti-Semitism and the rise of anti-Semitism, when you say being a kind of, <laughs> I guess maybe, I don't know if this sounds weird, like out as a Jewish person, like, I'm curious how that, you know, and obviously you live in New York right now. So like, it's, that's very different than being Jewish in, I don't know, Missouri, um, I would assume. Um, but I'm curious kind of your experience or thoughts around that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. It's, it's a really important conversation at the moment. And let me give you some background. So I, I grew up in London, um, and being Jewish in Europe is not something that you're out and proud about. You know, it's, it's really, um, anti-Semitism has always been high in Europe for obvious reasons, right? World War II and, and just some other things very close to Israel, which is, you know, a topic that that has lots of nuances as well. Um, and and in America, Jewish identity has always been like this is how this is my personal opinion, how I feel about it. Jewish identity in America, especially again, I'm in a bubble in New York, um, I think. And it's almost seen as like um overly accepted like a, a privilege to be Jewish and I cannot tell you the difference of of like of mindset that it is to be Jewish in Europe mm -hmm. so I go to synagogue on the holidays there's no signage anywhere there's armed guards around every synagogue I mean this you know this is the last 34 years that I've been going um there's iron gates every single synagogue has massive iron gates there is again no signage there's there's police everywhere and that's for our safety and security in in europe being jewish and then i moved to america 10 years ago 10 years ago now um and i remember my first like three months in america i went to an event by 
Jewish Federation um, in the, I was living in Pittsburgh at the time, great place, shout out to Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> and with the, with the Jewish Federation of Pittsburgh, I got taken to a conference in Dallas. So we're in Texas, we're in Dallas. I'm on a coach with, you know, all these other Jewish people. We're going to this conference and we pull up and um, I look out the window and on the and on the front of the building, massive, I mean like 70 foot letters, like welcome the Jewish Federation of Pittsburgh. Like we're so happy to have you. Like in massive letters, it said, well, like Jewish. And I'm yeah. walking into a building, no security anywhere, no nothing. And we're talking about, we're telling everyone that Jews are inside this building. And I said to, I turned to my friend and I said, this is like, what, how are we going in there? Like what? It was literally unheard of for me to like be able to go into a building that promotes being Jewish um, in America and feel safe. And it was like the best night ever. Of course it was completely safe. Um, it's just, it was just very, very different. So that's just like some of the nuances, even in my identities of being British and Jewish and living both places and having, you know, identities like whirling around everywhere there. Um, so- I didn't, I didn't realize. So even in, in London, that was your experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know I me, like, I'm not, that. yeah, yeah. I'm obnoxious. I'm loud. I'm annoying, <laughs> especially like, especially, you know, um, earlier Lauren and I, um, younger Lauren and I would wear massive, you know, um, star of David's. I had Israel stickers on my car and people, you know, my parents would be like, Lauren, just be careful. Like you, you can't park your car in London with these, you know, like just, we, we, you know, we're a little worried here. And I'm like, I don't care, like, whatever. And now I'm like, I get it. Like, I, you know, I really, I really get it. So yeah, even in London, um, definitely it was scary. And, and so how it feels to me is like America's catching up with the first 24 years of my life, how I had to be, you know, being Jewish. Um, so. Wait, yeah. but catch, catching up, like, in a in like a bath. What, yeah it, okay yeah it, yeah in i'm a, like in a regressive like, way right in, in a in a regressive way where jews are feeling unsafe where we are you know the um attacks are on the rise by you know i, I don't remember the percentage by hundreds of percentage um and people are just becoming more disengaged mm-hmm. yeah how so I know that you're very involved um you know across you know within your synagogue and kind of across the country in different organizations so I'm curious how you see others um shifting how they show up in the world you mean Jewishly yeah yeah Jewishly is that a, yeah. is that a word Jewishly <laughs> yeah, it is now I love it um <laughs> Um, I see people shifting a lot and I see people scared. I also think generationally it's different. Millennials, boomers, Gen Z, you know, there's lots of studies done and, and in 50 years from now, what, what's it going to look like? Mm-hmm. And I see people showing up um, in ways where they are still being Jewish, but in 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 sort of a less loud way. So we will meet up for holidays, but in someone's house or, you know, like in a synagogue and even synagogues, you know, in Brooklyn, where I live, there's not that many 
younger people going to synagogue anymore. Um, mm. And we're still really proud. We're still, I would, I would say culturally very Jewish, but religiously that, that dial is being turned down in my experience. And like you said, I, I've been involved in lots of different Jewish organizations, one of which is it's called Moishi House. And mm -hmm. uh, I know you know well, I was yeah. very involved when you and I worked together. And and Moishi House, you know, creates Jewish Jewish experiences for people where they're at, like, you know, really sort of wants to um, promote whatever it means for you to be Jewish, that's what you should do. So I would put on different types of events, some Jewish, some not Jewish, but, you know, we would all be, we would all be there. We'd be hanging out and that would be, that would feel Jewish um, in some ways, but there was oftentimes not much religious affiliation there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that the, the us Jews do, do pretty well. We just like, we love community. Community is the biggest part of being Jewish, mm -hmm. socializing, food, drinking, I was explaining what being Jewish meant to, to some of my friends the other day. And I'm like, basically we get really drunk. We eat, <laughs> a, lot of, we eat a lot of food. There's, there's one holiday in particular, it's called Purim. And you are commanded to get drunk and to be in a different frame of mind than you are when you're sober. So you can access different thoughts and you can connect in different ways. So I just, we really we lean hard into those parts of Judaism in my world in, and what I can see. We just make your, it fun. Your description of your experience mm. has I've always been like maybe maybe I can get into this. Like maybe I should I should because like I don't know. Can I become Jewish? Absolutely, you can. Okay. We <laughs> yeah we never we don't go and um, recruit people. Right. Um, you know, different to some other religions, but mm -hmm. we, we totally accept it. We could do with a few more. We could do with a few more Jews. So yeah. come on over. I, I mean, I, 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 the, the way that you describe your experience, I just uh, like I, I've always appreciated it, and um, it's different to what I assumed or expected. But I think the, um, one of the things that I love, you know, aside from the partying aspect that you've described. <laughs> one of the things that I love is just the the idea of community and the strength of, um, you know, bringing people together. And, you know, even, um, you know, like Shabbat on Friday, like, you know, just shutting everything down and enjoying time with loved ones um, that I love that. I think that's incredible. And I think we could all like, we don't need to be Jewish, but I think we need to embrace that that principle of yeah. you know tuning tuning to the ones that mean the most to us not tuning to our phones um i yeah. want to hear i want to hear so um you know the you talked about biggest parts of your identity being jewish being gay and being blonde um <laughs> uh, okay. so I, I'm I'm curious, you know, and I think that there's a I'm assuming there's a lot of variations of Judaism, right? Just as there is a lot of variations of and interpretations of Christianity. So I'm curious in your experience, as you came out with your sexual identity, how that worked in with your religion and 
even in particular, thinking about the creating belonging model, what quadrant did you, what, you know, what experience did you go through in the quadrants within your own synagogue? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. And also just one point on Shabbat. Thank you for bringing that up. It is the best 25 hours of the week for sure. And it's funny, I was I was actually reading, I was reading something about it just quickly. And, and, and it said, it was like a conversation between two people. And someone said, how on earth am I going to be able to not be on my phone, not be on my computer, not be on my Kindle, not be, because it, for the Sabbath, for, the, for Shabbat, we um, turn all electricity off. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I think it was a rabbi that answered and he said, this is the time that we need it the most, the more technology we have in our lives, the more we should be disconnecting from it just for a period of time. And I I couldn't agree more. I know I, I go to the sauna a lot. Actually, this is not in my Jewish identity. And I always try and leave my phone outside the sauna because I'm like I'm forcing myself for these 30 minutes to be without my phone and even the 30 minutes I'm like rushing back to my phone you know like we Mm -hmm. all are um but and so for 25 hours seems like such so many hours and it is so necessary so so necessary in this day and age especially mental health and you know so it all I think I think we were onto something 2,000 years ago when we came up with this rule yeah I so I literally this morning I just mm. finished the book um Stolen Focus. Mm. Um and it is um uh written by a, a fellow Londoner, Lauren. Oh. Um but it is fascinating how technology and not even just technology but just our way of life is destroying our focus our ability to focus and so that idea of being able to unplug for a bit and reset is so important um so yes this is a good side shoot so go turn off your technology after after you're done listening to this podcast yep Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) listen all the way through before you turn off your phone yes (laughs) but yeah to answer your question from before you know, how, how is my Jewish identity, my gay identity and, and, and how, how did it intertwine when coming out? Hey, Justin here. When I started the creating belonging podcast, I set out to create one that I would listen to. And that means episodes shorter than 30 minutes. So far we've been hitting the mark, but I was enjoying my conversation with Lauren so much that I'm splitting this episode into two parts. We'll be releasing a special second part to this episode in one week, so check back next week to learn how Lauren reconciled her Jewish and gay identities.